0: You're listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville and Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now, here's our featured sermon of the week. I do want to welcome you to a brand new series we're doing, as you can see, talking about the spiritual gifts. And over the next few weeks we're gonna be talking about the gifts that keep on giving. Now let me give you some clarity over these next few weeks because many times we have ideas of what gifts are, but we don't have clarity on them. Or maybe you don't even know what gifts are. Maybe you don't even know that you're gifted. Turn to somebody next to you and say you're gifted. You are a gifted individual. Now I felt a little spicy in the first service. I'm not sure what that was, but uh, I think it may carry over into this service. And so maybe it's the weather. Anyway, the point of all today is we're gonna have a good time. And I wanna clarify some things that aren't gifts. There isn't a gift of fashion. Unfortunately, Vincent, Vincent is very fashionable, and uh, I actually, he he said, can I do this? I said, yes, as your pastor, you're allowed to say that. He is gifted in fashion, no doubt. But there's also, some of you have a gift of, I could care less. I couldn't care less. It's a sweat kind of person. Who's a sweat sweats kind of person? Anybody? You're all liars. You know you're going home and you're putting sweats on. You're taking the afternoon off. There is the gift of sarcasm that is not from the Holy Spirit, just so you know. Just so you know. There's also a gift. Some of you have a gift to say whatever you think without any kind of filter. And that is not the Holy Spirit. That is my dad, by the way. He's acknowledging it. I've been told that that happens when you get older. Whatever that filter is, it wears away, and you just say whatever you want. I just think that's just older people just getting away with stuff. That's not right. Somebody's got to call you to the carpet. Enough, Dad. Anybody have the gift, the spiritual gift of annoyance? Anybody have that gift? Don't raise your hand. Somebody's right. What? Mary? Okay, Mary, there you go. You can be free in Jesus' name. Um, My wife has a gift of trying to be right all the time. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's the gift of being wrong. That's okay. Somebody's defending my wife. And then for all you young men, you may think, and this isn't a spiritual gift, but you may think you're the gift to ladies and that not necessarily is. Now, there are certain gifts that keep on giving. Do you know what I'm talking about? That gift that you give it? Men, if you wanna give a gift that keeps on giving, buy your wife a vacuum cleaner. (laughs) Sit down, I still got more, I got more. (laughs) This is my stand up, not yours, okay? Ladies, you can buy your husband power tools. That's a gift that keeps on giving. Thank you. Thank you, men. Wow. This is a rough crowd here. Here's the deal I, I make jokes because many of us in the church today have forgotten that God has given you gifts. And those gifts sometimes are as simple as your makeup, who you are. And I grew up, we, we grew up in a charismatic church where all bets are off. Like anybody grow up in one of those churches, put your hand up. We're going to deliver you right now in Jesus' name. No, no, the, 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 we, we grew up in a church where anything went. And it was like you go home and you go, what just took place? And, and the reality is as many times we think that's a move of the Holy Spirit. And, and so I, because I'm a recovering charismatic person, Um, And and I'm still charismatic, by the way, for those of you that are wondering, am I in the right church? Uh, I do believe that there has been things done wrong and we slap Holy Spirit on it just because we want to get away with being crazy. And I want to bring clarity to this because I do think there's something to be said about the word of God bringing clarity. So I want you to stand to your feet, if you would, for the reading of the word. I'm going to read you two passages. We're going to jump around in the passages. One is Luke and one is in Acts, And I want you to see the balance between what Jesus has and what you have. In Luke 3, it says, when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. And the Spirit, this is what he says, the Spirit of the Lord has come upon me because he has anointed me. That's Jesus. But well, here's good news, Acts 2 and Acts 1. Jesus says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. When the day of Pentecost arrived, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and they were all, say all, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You can have a seat. Now, I, what, I, what I wanted you to see as we jumped around in there is that what happened to Jesus can happen to you. Thank you, Ms. Sheila, for that, amen. What happened to Jesus can happen to you what happened to Jesus can happen to you. Shout amen, please. Okay, what you're doing is you're coming into alignment with the promise that Jesus said to his disciples. I'm going so he can come. And when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, something should drastically change in your life. Like, you should not be the same person you were before. And here's the deal. We do not celebrate the gifts over the one who is the gift, which is the Holy Spirit. We cannot take the Holy Spirit out of the equation and focus on the gifts because the Holy Spirit is the reason why you are gifted to begin with. So we have to understand that. You can write these down over the next few weeks. These will be the the scriptures will marinate around 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11. Now, I know in this place today there is a variance of people from all different kinds of backgrounds. Some of you, you were taught that the gifts of the Spirit don't function today. Some of you, you function in the gifts. Some of you believe some of them function, some of them don't. Good news, we're gonna clarify all of that. I'm gonna go give you scripture, not just what Mark thinks, but what the Word of God says. Because I believe the definition of spiritual gifts are the abilities given by Holy Spirit to equip others and to do ministry. It's not for your merch table. It's not so you could sell more shirts. It's to equip others and to do ministry. First Peter 4.10 says, Each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's variance grace. Everyone has a gift. You have a gift. You have been gifted. And what I believe is it's not as difficult as we think. Many of you know your natural gifts. Some of you are good with your hands. Some of you great communicators. Whatever that is, that's your natural gift. Partnered with the supernatural equals a spiritual gift. No, let's, not, let's not cloud it up and make it all complicated. You have a natural gift. The Holy Spirit comes upon you and empowers you, and now you have a spiritual gift used for the kingdom of God. Number one, you can write this down. Number one, what comes naturally is usually an indicator. Now, I want you to understand there is a message in society today, especially in our culture we live in, that you can be whatever you want to be. That's not true. Some of you have told your kids that. Little Jimmy, you can be whatever you want to be. Let me say to you, as a white man, 5'11 on a good day, I can't be an NBA center because I'm... Those of you that aren't sports, you're going to have to be somewhere upwards around seven feet tall. So you will be dunking on your boy all day long at 5'11". Let me also give you this. I can't be a first grader. Now, some of you watch Billy Madison, you think you can. I can't go back into time and sit in a little desk and be a first grader. Listen, I also can't be the mayor of a town in Spain. Number one, I don't speak Spanish very well, and I'm not from Spain, so they're not going to give me license to run a town. And last but not least, you know what? I can't be a woman. Oh, you like that one? You didn't like the Spain one? Hostile environment but I want you to understand like that is what people are being told right now. Whatever little Jimmy wants to be, you can be whatever you want to be. It's not true. You can only be what God has created you to be. Hear me. I'm taking away all the pressure from some of you that want to be a mayor in Spain. When I grew up, I didn't realize. How many know you don't realize what you have until you get around other people? And, like, growing up, like, I naturally, I remember in elementary school, I would be hanging out with the cool kids, the nerds, the musicians. I was, was like, I knew everybody. I could communicate. I had no problem communicating with all different kinds of people. I could think quickly on my feet. I still have that gift. Right now, I can think about multiple things at multiple times. And I only know this because my wife would tell me, how are you doing? My brain is processing things at a rapid rate, and I'm a multitasker. And I didn't realize that was abnormal until I got around somebody that could only do one thing at one time. But they do it really well. And here's the deal. The Holy Spirit knew that I was going to need to communicate to a diverse group of people in a church with all different backgrounds and ethnicities that I would have to communicate quickly in real time, not be scared to be up on a stage, but be able to communicate the gospel with clarity. So as a kid, what I naturally was gifted in was actually called for me to walk in as I got older. So what I want you to understand over the next few weeks is we're going to be talking about multiple gifts, different gifts. We're going to hit on all of them. We're going to talk about the gifts that serve, the gifts that speak, the gifts that show. These are the power gifts. We're going to talk about sensationalism and also continualism, so you'll know where we stand as a church. Spoiler alert, we believe they're for today. And the gifts that go. These are the five office gifts, or some people refer to them as the five-fold ministry. How do they function in the church? Romans 1, Paul says this to the church of Rome. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. You need to understand this, that gifts are intended to be developed in the church. How do I know that? Well, because that's where they come from, from God. So you need a, there was an old show, I referenced it in the early service, and about three people understood it, so I'm gonna do it again, and it's gonna bomb again. But that's okay. There was a show that I used to watch growing up called Greatest American Hero. Oh, okay, there we go, we got a crew. Here, let's talk about it. And the whole premise of this was an average guy was in a field, a UFO came, and accidentally dropped off a supernatural superhero suit. Bear with me, this was the 80s, and this anything went in storytelling. And they, he picked it up, and he forgot the instructions they were laying in the field. So the whole premise of this show was him trying to figure out how to be a superhero without instructions. Sorry, that I mean, we've, we've come the long way. Thank you, Pastor Josh, for that. It was a great show. And the reality is, as many of us, we don't know how to operate in our gifts because we're not cemented in the church to actually learn and grow in our gifts together in community. So you've been gifted just need to understand to the full level, and the Holy Spirit will empower you to walk in them. To a function properly out of the church, you have to first learn what you're called to in the church. That's because gifts are best developed in the house of God, which leads me to part number two. Gifts can be used wrongly. Some of you are like, amen. I've been around those people. Gifts can be used wrongly. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, for the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Paul is talking to the Jews. He's saying that you have been grafted in. Listen, you have been given a covenant. God wrote a covenant with the Jewish people that even though today many of them deny Jesus as a savior, he still calls them his people. Well, that doesn't seem fair. No, that's because God honors his covenant. And here's good news, Gentiles. You've been grafted in so now God honors you. And so there's many times where you don't you see people operating in gifts and they're far from God. How does this compute? Because God has given them a gift and he's given them free will. So you have the ability to use your gift for good or for evil. And what I want to do is activate you to use it for good. 1 Corinthians 12 says, "Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed" You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Holy Spirit ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying, be careful who you associate with. In fact, let me say this to you today. The devil loves to counterfeit the gifts. And I think that many churches, we get so excited about gifts that we forget about who is behind them. First John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have come out into the world. That is still happening today. I want you to understand there is a demonic realm. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, it's operating around us. Sometimes you can see it by seeing evil things happening in our city. We've seen remnants of it. We've seen outbursts of it, whether it's a shooting at school or people hurting one another or all this evil things that are coming out of people's mouths. This is demonic. I want you to understand that the devil wants to manipulate you and convince you that he is God. So I want you to know that there are opportunities where you'll get around someone and you'll say, something's wrong, but how does this person know my past? Well, the enemy knows where you come from. It's easy. It's easy for him to empower somebody with wisdom. Many of you remember Miss Cleo back in the day. Anybody remember Miss Cleo? Hello, Miss Cleo. Miss Cleo, you could call her up. Back in the day when we used phones, we called people. Remember those days? You could call up Miss Cleo and someone of her associates would get back to you and give you a word. How did she know this about me? The enemy wants to lure you in with the supernatural. The enemy also can manipulate your future. That's why it says false prophets. They're prophetic. They have a gift. They know what's coming. But how many know the enemy can manipulate your future? Oh, something bad's going to come. Oh, the enemy's like, I'll take care of that. It's easy. That's why we have to know his heart. You can, the enemy, oh, here's one for some of you that didn't know this, but the enemy can make you sick. Did you know that? Did you know that sickness and disease is from hell? Did you know that? I hope you know that. Now, there are natural things that you can do. If you eat a lot of Twinkies, you will get sick. You can't blame the devil. That was your own fault for putting them in your mouth. So it's just like, devil made me do it. No, you picked it up. You bought them, first of all. Where do you get Twinkies, by the way? Stop eating Twinkies if you're eating them. Thank you. Uh, But the enemy is behind cancer. Like, there's no doubt. He is the author of Sickness and Disease. And so the enemy can afflict you with a sickness and then release the sickness off of you and you think you got healed. That's why I'm telling you not every healer and not every conference with healing is from God. Oh, I just blew somebody's mind. The enemy does it. Why? Because he wants you to take your eyes off of God and put your eyes on man. He wants you to focus your attention on the things that he's doing. The enemy can encourage you. He can even give you power. If you go to any other nation, they have witch doctors, people with legitimate power in a particular community or tribe, and people know they have power. But you can look at them right away, and if you know the spirit of the living God, you'll know that's not from heaven. That's directly from hell. Even church can get it wrong. Even church can mess up the spiritual gifts. If you ever want to know what a counterfeit is, you don't study fake things. You study real things. If you want to know where the spirit of living God is, get to be in his presence. Know his presence. Know what he sounds like. Know how he operates. You'll walk into a place, you'll know. Oh, by the way, we're going to talk about that. That's the gift of discernment, but not to spoiler alert you, but that's where we're going. You, some of you in this room, actually have the gift of discernment. You can walk into a room and automatically tell in the atmosphere if this is God or if it's something else. See, the key to understanding and knowing... is by what the gift is motivated by. Number three, God's gifts are motivated by love. Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 about the gifts. And smack dab in verse, chapter 13, he says this, very beginning. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, if I prophesy, if I speak in tongues, if I do all of that and have not love, I'm just a noisy gong, a noisy gong, and a clanging cymbal, or a noisy gong. Either way, it's not good. <laughs> if you And if I have, listen to this, if I have prophetic powers and I understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, woo, you missed cleo and i have all faith so as to remove mountains but i have not love i'm nothing if i give away all i have if i deliver my body up to be burned and if i have not love i gain nothing love is patient love is kind love does not envy or boast it's not arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own it's not irritable oh some of you it's not resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. There's a reason why Paul talks about prophecy and the gifts, and he puts love right in there. Because if your gifts aren't motivated by love, they're motivated by something else. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous. There's people with gifts that are motivated by position. It's dangerous. There's people with gifts in this room that are motivated by accolades. Tell me how good I was. Tell me how accurate I am. Listen, you know how easy it is to speak for the Lord and just trust him? And if you get it wrong, say, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm working out my gifts. Did I get it right? No, no, don't worry about it. See, are we motivated by wealth? Are we motivated by our brokenness? Oh, how about this, motivated by church hurt? Ooh, church hurt and gifts are dangerous. Oh, man, you could start a ministry off a church hurt. Every gift in this room can be tainted. That's why, number four, your gifts work best in collaboration with others. You want to make sure your gift is heightened. If it's working, get around other people. Iron sharpens iron. Get around those other gifts that you don't have. 1 Corinthians 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many are as one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we're all baptized into one body, just Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. Verse 17 If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body was an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chooses. For all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. 1 Corinthians 12 says this, Every believer has a spiritual gift or gifts. No believer has all the gifts. And we cannot choose our gift. God chooses it for you. He knows you. He knew exactly where you would be. He knew exactly your makeup. He knew the kind of gifts that you could operate in. He knew what would function well inside of you. By a show of hands, how many of you love public speaking? Raise your hand if that's you. Okay, there you go. How many people are deathly sick of coming up on a stage? Put your hands up. The rest of you, where do you fall in this? You just don't care? Not interested? Just whatever you want to do. Okay, wow. We got work to do here. How many of you can say... You have discernment. You discern things that are going on around you. Okay, there you go. See, all different kinds of gifts. Everybody functions different. That's just the tip of the iceberg. See, this is a perfect example of the body working together. Can you imagine if everyone had a speaking gift, but nobody served? Everybody talking about all the things we're going to do and nothing getting done. Some of you, that sounds like the government. Can you imagine if we had a ton of evangelists without teachers or pastors? People getting saved, nobody discipling them. Can you imagine if everyone hated public speaking? We just came here and looked at an empty desk. Can you imagine, listen to this, can you imagine if everyone had the gift of hospitality? Everybody made food for people, invited people. Actually, that sounds good. That's the kind of world I'd like to live in. Let me go a step further. I remember years ago, I had this idea growing up that when Paul was talking about this, he was talking about one community. So some of you would be an arm, some of you the armpit, some of you are legs, and somebody's got to be the armpit. It's your choice whether to be smelly or not. It's not in the Bible. But the Lord showed me. He said, listen, when I, what I really mean is the body of Christ. Not just Southview, but Southview is a piece of the body you remember some of you old schoolers remember Voltron anybody remember that show Voltron okay Any, how about Power Rangers anybody remember Power Rangers okay the whole premise of these is that there were multiple people and when they really when some bad dude showed up and they couldn't fight him alone they all came together and formed Voltron Voltron was this super cybernetic AI thing you know uh, scary by the way but he, he, he could fight these big things and then they would disband and become that's what God is looking for The Church of Voltron, where we come together to fight evil. You're laughing, but let me break it down a different way. I'll say this to you in a real practical way. God is not only interested in Southview, but he's interested in how Southview functions as the body of Christ in our city. Let me share with you some things that we need activated and functioning well. We need Station Hill Church and Pastor Jay Struthers to work well in our city. We need Church of the City. Pastor Tony, an Italian, right over there, doing his thing so we can function together. We need Connection Hill, Pastor Corey Howes, my friend. We need Lifehouse Church, Pastor John Privet, down 31. We need Gateway Franklin, Pastor Charlie Weir, right over there. Good, good guy. We need Pastor Kevin Queen in Crosspoint, up in Nashville. They're killing it. We need Hope UC and 1819 Coffee and Pastor Dustin. Can we give a shout out to that coffee? We need them functioning well. We need Thompson's Station Church. Pastor Tom and his successor, Pastor Sam, functioning well. They've been here from the beginning. We need Conduit Church. Pastor Darren. We need Harpeth, Primitive Baptist. Pastor Hewitt Sawyer, one of the oldest churches in our region. We need Journey Biker Church because even biker people need to go to church. And Pastor Jim O'Brien, come on, Scott knows him well. And guess what? They meet in a Harley Davidson dealership. We need Refuge Church, Pastor Tony right over there. We need New Song and Pastor Dale. We need Unite Church, my friend, Pastor Mark Lancaster in East Nashville. We need Lavina, which is Pastor Rafael, who will be here in a few weeks, who speaks to a Spanish-speaking community. And we need my alma mater, Bethel World Outreach and Pastor James Lowe. That's just but a glimpse of the churches in our city that we need. I could give you list upon list upon list. These are people that I know intimately. They're friends of mine. Why? Because I realized years ago we're better when we're partnered together. Do you know how less stressful it is to build a church when you realize you don't have to be everything? I'm going to say this to you, and some of you never heard this in a church before, but if this is in your community, we can help you find one. Why? Because you need to be where God's placed you. And reality is, we're not against one another, we're not battling for things, we're battling hell together. We're Voltron. Turn to somebody and say, you're Voltron. Tell them that. Can't believe I just said that. Do you know that each one of these, listen, each one of these churches I just mentioned, they're all gifted in certain ways that we're not. And I'm telling you, like, we can be the kind of worship we want to be because I know that if this isn't your thing, there's a church down the street that you could find your kind of worship. I didn't put the Church of Christ on here. But if you want to go there, go ahead. Go ahead. Just be prepared to sing loud every day without music. Just so you know, that's a heads up. See, many times we look at our gifts through a personal lens. God has called me to do this. And what I want you to understand as we get into these next few weeks is it's all hands on deck. Number five, we all are here together. First Corinthians 14 says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? Pause for a moment. How many have ever been to an orchestra, ever seen an orchestra live? Have you ever seen, Have you ever heard it? It's chilling. It's goosebump-like. You hear the orchestra. And I want to explain a little bit what's going on because every particular instrument has a first chair. That is the best one in the bunch. So the first chair of the violin has a different set of notes or a score than anyone else does. And you can pick out each note. In fact, most of the time when a conductor starts, he'll tap his little magic wand. That's from Harry Potter. He'll do that. That's a conducting wand, by the way. And he'll have instruments play to find out if they're in proper tune. Number one, you have to be in tune with something first before you play. Because You could be out of tune and it's not going to sound good. If you're tuned with one pitch... One sound, you have to be in tune first. Now, he'll go around and he'll begin to figure out each note. And you'll hear different things. So you have woodwinds. You have brass. You have percussion. You have all these different sounds. And the reason why it sounds so good is because they come together in unity. You can't pull out a different score and play a different song and expect it to sound good. That's what Paul's saying here. There's a flute and a harp. I mean, they're total different instruments. Play them totally different. But when they come together, they sound beautiful. Verse 12, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, that's our church, strive to excel in building up the church. For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. Verse 20, brothers, do not be children in your thinking, but all things should be done in decency and order. Let me say that again. All things should be done in decency and in order. We grew up in a church Where things were out of order and you just stamp the Holy Spirit on it, that was just the move of God. The Holy Spirit's like, I didn't author that. That was just crazy people. (laughs) I wasn't even there. That wasn't even something I authored. Why? Because it's easy to blame the Holy Spirit on dysfunction. But the reality is when we know the word, we understand the beauty of when the Holy Spirit moves. It's like a symphony. He moves and it's in order. Does the Holy Spirit make you do things you don't want to do? Absolutely. He stretches you. You think the disciples signed up for this gig? No, they were empowered. Peter goes, I'm going to have to go preach the gospel. Thousands came to Peter. This is a guy that just denied Jesus. He's empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was a fisherman, he wasn't in public speaking 101 in college. He didn't study communications. He was a simple person empowered by the Holy Spirit who then had to respond. But what I want you to understand is there's something beautiful about knowing the power of the Holy Spirit, that you won't do things that are crazy, out of order, dysfunctional, and say it was God. See, there are certain things that we all need to say yes to. You're all going to have to say yes to serving others. That's not a gift thing. That's just being a Christian. you got to serve others. You're also going to be called to respond to needs. When things happen, this church is set up so that we can respond to needs. And let me just applaud you. The kind of giving that you guys have been doing is out of the world. We, we spent this past week visiting the well. We, we, you've been, you know, you've been supporting the well and Marvin Wright Elementary with their jetpacks for years. We got to find out what they do. And there's so many ways that they serve the city that we partner with and other churches, the well. Did you know that when we started this church, the first thing was, let's start up a food pantry. No, we didn't have to do it. Why? Because Wellspring Church started the well. And so my first thought is, why try to reinvent the wheel? They're doing a better job. Let's partner with them. It's so much easier serving the kingdom when you don't have to do something that's already been done. We're all called to build the church. Whether you work in this church or not, you're called to ministry. Some of you go to a school, you're called to minister in the school. Some of you are parents, moms, you stay at home. You're called to to that home to be a minister. Some of you are in school. You're called into ministry in your school. Some of you work in construction. Some of you are salespeople. Whatever you do, that's your ministry. And we're all called to learn about each other. There's a trend in football that I've noticed that they will take a coach that coaches the offense and put him in the defense and teach defensive people how to think like an offensive person. So let me give you an example. You might have someone who coaches wide receivers like for example AJ Brown who we took from the Titans who lit it up. Anyway I'll leave it there. The point of it all is thank you very much. The point of it all is is that you'll take an offensive coach a wide receiver coach and you'll bring them into a safety room. A room full of safeties and their job is to cover wide receivers. So that offensive coach will tell them about how a wide receiver might line up at the line of scrimmage how he uses his hands. How to look at his eyes to find out when he's going to go to receive the ball so that he has intel on how to function as a defensive-minded player because he learned from an offensive-minded player. That is called collaboration. That is when churches work together. That is when people with different gifts understand one another. For some of you, you're a polar opposite than someone else in this room, but God puts you in this community together so you can learn from one another. See, on football, it doesn't matter if you're offense, defense, or if you're special teams, we all win when we all function The best. For so many times, we look at each other like competition. Oh, Church of the City, man, they're parking in the same parking lot that I'm parking at. They're trying to take our people. No, we're all fighting the kingdom of darkness. We're on the same team. Do you know that I'll be speaking at Church of the City in June, and their pastor will be speaking here in June? Did you know that? No, you didn't. Now you do. Why? Because we're on the same team. And I'm telling you how easy it's going to be. I'm going to park in the same spot. Instead of going this way, I'll go that way. It's easy to serve a kingdom. It's easy to serve in the kingdom when we look at each other as friends. We're not fighting one another. We're destroying the gates of hell. Number six, no more excuses. Turn to somebody and say, no more excuses. Tell them, no more excuses. No more excuses. It's time. Matthew 25. I'm going to read it to you. Let me give you a little context before we do. Matthew 25. Some of you know this. The story of the talents. But the interesting thing about Matthew 25 is Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about the end times. And, and here's the thing. I love context. Like, I think it's important to find out like, what was happening, who Jesus was speaking to, and what he we was saying at the time. Because Jesus is foretelling the destruction of the temple. He's talking about signs of the end of the age. Now, some eschatologists, people that study the end times, they will say that 24 and 25 is, is speaking about things to come. Some people will say this is some of the things that have already come that this is when the, the temple was destroyed and Nero burned Christians at the stake. Some of you know history. That this was what he was alluding to. I believe, my interpretation, is that some of this stuff has happened and some of this stuff will happen. Now, wherever we land, know this. We are in some crazy times. And I think it's safe to say, you don't have to be a theologian to say that God's coming back pretty soon. So when I read this, I don't read it just as a story or a parable, but I read it and say, God, what are you trying to say to the church today? And this story of the talents, it starts out this. For it's like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and another one, each according to his ability. Pause for a moment. It's important that you see that. Each according to his ability. God's not going to give you more than you're designed to be able to function in. not going to burn you out with your gift. I also want to say to you, what is a talent? A talent is a, a unit of measure. So some people believe that it could have been silver or gold. If it was, it could have been anywhere of between 20 years of wages that he was giving out. Whatever it was, it was a measure. It says here, then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. And so also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants came and he settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more his master says to him, look at this, "'Well done, good and faithful servant. "'You have been faithful with little. "'I will set you over much. "'Enter into the joy of your master.'" And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, "'Master, you delivered to me two talents here. "'I made two more talents.' "'His master said to him, "'Well done, good and faithful servant. "'You have been faithful over little. "'I will set you over much. "'Enter into the joy of your master.'" He also, who had received one talent, came forward and said, uh, Master, I knew you were to be a hard man. You reap where you did not sow, and you gather where you have not scattered any seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him and said, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talents from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, Even what he has will be taken away. What is happening here? Well done, good and faithful servant. How many times have we used that scripture? You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And that response to the one who did nothing with the gift. It says, for everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance from the one who has not Even what he has will be taken away. There will be a come a time where you will have to give an account to the gifts that you've been given. There will be a time where we'll have to stand face to face with our creator and he's going to say, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? How did you proclaim me to the nations? How did you share with my glory, my salvation to your city and your community? And at that point, we should be able to say, listen, This is what God has done in my life. This is what I walked out in. And he says, well done. Come on, we want this. Well done, good and faithful. I want this for you. I want this for me. I want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. So for some of you in this room, you're sitting here and God is giving you gifts. I want you to understand this story. The master gave his servants gifts. It wasn't the master's job to work the gifts. It was the servant to be faithful with the gifts. The last one said, I was fearful of you, so I didn't do anything. The other ones were faithful with what God gave him. For some of us in this room, we're fearful of operating in our gifts because we're afraid of what people will think. We're afraid, what, what happens if I preach the truth? What if it happens if I stand up for love? What happens if I proclaim God? I, I'm fearful. And the other ones were faithful. I have an obligation. The master gave me much and I want to preach much, I want to declare much, I want to show hospitality, I want to serve, I want to prophesy, whatever your gift is, God wants you to use it boldly. For some of you in this room, you're evangelists. You do it naturally. You can always tell an evangelist, they just can't stop talking about Jesus. But how many know that we need everyone to be an evangelist with their gift? to share with their gift. For some of you, you've forgotten that the beauty that you have putting together flowers, putting together food, setting up your house, that's a gift that makes people feel welcomed when they come into your home. We've been over the Culver's house, and they, they have a gift of hospitality. Everybody's gonna to wanna to go over there now. Sorry, I just put you on blast. And we went over there, and we sat down with them, and we felt so loved, and we talked, and they had all sorts of shrimp cocktail. I mean, should I go on? I don't know. Everything that my hearts could desire. Except the carrot cake wasn't there. But anyway, that's okay. That's okay, Lori. But you know what? When we walked away, you know what I told Ian? I said we felt loved. That's a gift. Now, some of you don't have that gift. That's okay. Some of you could barely put together, you know, ramen noodles. That's all right. But some of you, man, you have a gift of teaching. Some of you, you have gifts that other people in this church don't have. And what I'm saying to you today is I want you to stand before your master one day, and I want him to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want him to look at you and think about all the things I could have done. Well, I was just waiting for the church to recognize my gifts if pastor mark would have just gave me a platform i could have i could have done no 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 i'm not here to to give you a platform notice that the the servants they didn't need anybody else nobody made excuses they said, no, you gave this to me. I have an obligation to walk it out. And I'm telling you, please hear my voice today. Everyone in this room, everyone watching online, you are needed in this time and this hour. You got to get this. There is no more sideline sitting. Everybody's in the game right now. It's it's the fourth quarter. Listen, I watched my Eagles lose in the fourth quarter. Now help me. I'm just, this is therapy. Just listen to me, okay? Just listen to me. And all, the whole time I kept thinking, man, if Jalen Hurts could just have one more drive, we could tie this up, we win this game. I'm telling you, Sandy, I believe it. I believe it. She's a Chiefs fan. Anyway, bear with me. None of you like sports except for me. But here's the deal. I fully believe that if we could get on that field, we could win this game. And what I want you to know is, for you need to hear this today. If some of you would just get on the field, you will see wins in your life. Don't sit back anymore and blame other people. When the master was face to face with his servant, it it wasn't excuses, well, my mom didn't affirm me, my church didn't see me, my dad didn't speak over me. No, it was like, what have you done with your talents? When we started this church, I'm telling you, we had no, all we knew is what not to do, because we grew up in church. We just knew, if you don't do this, maybe we'll succeed. It's as simple as that. Some of you know this, some of you elders are like, yeah, I remember those days. I don't know how we made it hunts i don't know how we did this right it was just being answering a call that's it and i'm telling you we make this way too complicated if i'm more educated if i have more money if i can get around the right people if god could put me in the right family group if all these excuses and i remember just looking at leanne going we have to respond that's it We started in our living room. The Hunts were there. At this point, I think my dad and my mom showed up from New Jersey. My in-laws showed up eventually. The the Norcios were there. The Belts were there. Where's the Belts? I think they're in here somewhere. There they are. There's Holly. Holly was in. These are people that we're just like, let's do this. You guys are crazy. Holly, you were crazy. You're insane. Hunts, you were insane. But sometimes we just need people with that kind of level of faith. Say, I don't have the education. We didn't have the money. We didn't have the location. We didn't have the background. We didn't have the denomination. We didn't even have the bylaws. Don't tell the government that. All we had was Jesus and we had the ability to say yes. I'm not trying to promote myself. What I'm saying is if this guy from New Jersey, who's a musician, ooh, that chord right there, it did something to me. tension. He's building it up. What can God use and do through you? You don't have to know it all. You just have to answer the call. So over these next few weeks we're gonna talk about this. We're gonna talk about your gifts. How do they function in the church? You're gonna begin to identify where you fit. And here's what I want to do. got another QR code for you. Thank God for QR codes. Today, if you're here, and whether you know your gifts or you've never done this before, this will lead you to a spiritual gifts assessment. And in this simple, it's a simple test you can't fail, by the way. If you take this test and you're honest with your answers, my hope is that you'll come away with some idea on the gifts that God has given you. Now, I want to give you a heads up, because in this book, there are gifts of celibacy. I don't qualify for that, by the way. But... (laughs) We were talking about this as a staff. This week, we were talking about it. And one of our staff members said, I know someone personally, a friend of mine, who says that she has the gift of celibacy. She believes that she's called to actually be single so that she can go on the mission field and do work for the Lord. I said, well, where's this in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. In this book, in this book are tons of scripture to show you where each one of these gifts actually function. Paul said, if it's possible, Don't get married so you have freedom to be able to do the things God wants you to do. Now maybe that's not your your jam. That's okay. There's a gift of martyrdom. Maybe some of you are just looking for something to die for. I'm pretty sure you're going to walk away with a lot of clarity because there are scriptures and things to back this up. This is not something Mark came up with. Now I know we talk about the spiritual gifts. We're going to get through them. Some of these things are a little kind of building off of it craftsman, artisan, music, voluntary, simple life, encouragement, which I believe is exhortation, hospitality, which is serving, writing. There is no fashion gift, though, and I'm working on that, Vincent. I'll get you in. I believe you're very gifted in that. But I want you to know this. You are part of the kingdom, and in the kingdom, there's gifts for everyone to function and to advance the gospel. When I look at this church... I see a diverse group of people. I, I like I like this, st- I'm gonna do it again. Th- I think this lineup is pretty cool too because you got young ladies and you got mature gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be careful, we're the same age. Okay, that's good, okay. but 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 here's the good news too, like I look around and I see different colors of skin, different backgrounds. Like to me, this is why it functions so well today. And here's the good news, like even as we were worshiping today and we kind of stripped everything back, like, just a couple moments as your pastor, sometimes I stop singing so I can listen to you sing. And I think it was even prophetic, Chris, well done, that we just stripped it down today so we could hear the voices. So you can see that it's not about the instruments on the stage, but it's each one of your voices singing in unison to actually be the church. God delights in the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. So some of you are like, oh, I can't sing, ooh, I can't do all that stuff. I can't do the, ooh, what is that, Mariah Carey? I couldn't either, apparently. But we don't need you to. Some of you, we need you to sing off key because that just makes it sound real is the good word. Thank you. That's right. I was trying to find a word. Kind of got ahead of myself. Do we really need them? Yes, we do. We need you guys to sing bad. Uh, with, with every eye closed, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. I'm trying to make it light today because I want you to see that God wants you on His team, and He wants you activated. It's the fourth quarter, ladies and gentlemen. We're in the fourth quarter. This is t- It's go time. I don't know if you know anything about our nation, but if you're watching any sort of news, any social media, we are broken We got all sorts of ideologies being spewed out and backed up by people of authority. And we need people in the church that can walk it out and say, no, 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 that is not how it is. No, 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 let me speak the truth today. So right now, I want you to know with every eye closed today, I want the Holy Spirit to say to you today, you're needed. You're important. There's any church hurt in you, I'm imploring you, I'm encouraging you, Get it healed. Get with somebody, get whole, get get prayer, work it out. Because the church needs you. You need to be part of a team. You're created for a team. You're not designed to be a lone ranger. Gifts get wacky when you're just out there alone. So today, right now, Holy Spirit, I invite you to speak over each person today and show them how much you love them how much you care for them. And if there's anyone here today, whether online or in person, and you don't know Jesus. That's the first part. Join the team. Get in connected. Get in the game. Jesus wants you on his team. Scripture talks about it in Romans 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're in here today, We're gonna have a prayer ministry team come up later and we're gonna invite you to come forward and let us pray with you to receive the gift of salvation. That's the first gift. From that point on, everything changes. Thank you so much for listening to this message. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multi-generational, multicultural community of believers passionately pursuing Jesus, family, freedom, and unity in the body of Christ. If you would like to connect with us, visit us at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.